<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. As you're about to hear, I've really wanted to do a deep dive episode discussion on Shopify and how they're suddenly the big up-and-coming potential tech behemoth. Arguably the most successful tech IPO of the last five years. Seemingly the only company that can challenge Amazon in e-commerce. So when James McLeod from the Financial Post got in touch wanting to talk about Shopify, it was like someone was reading my mind. You'll see why I've found Shopify's story so interesting lately because, well, actually, we get right into it. Please enjoy. times man well also though i mean thank god i've wanted to do something on shopify because it's weird and it, maybe i'll even we'll get into this for the mm-hmm. thing but like shopify is clearly gonna be potentially one of the big players now but there's never been a story that i could like hang a, a segment on you know what i mean so like i, I i'm so happy to do this because i want to like alert the audience hey these guys are the big up and comer but i haven't had a way to do it yet well, and it's weird. I don't know if you've you've taken a look at their stock price, but it's. Uh, I, I mean, and if you want to sort of turn on a recorder and and start getting into it, um, yeah. But, okay, okay. Uh, consider yeah. consider us going at this point. Oh, okay. So, like, if, if their their stock just hit like this crazy all time high, um, the market cap is. Um, it, uh, in Canadian dollars, it's it's just above a hundred billion now. Um, which uh, obviously I, I just checked it's 73 billion us as of the time of this recording. And, and so like, I mean, every, every stock on the, the market has gone through wild swings in the last month or so, but like in early March, um, the stock was trading at around, um, $670, uh, this is all on the TXX, but for the sake of numbers, um, it was $670 at the beginning of March. And then it dropped down to like 460. Um, th- they pulled their guidance and all of that. And then in the last week or so, it has just shot up so that there were, it was briefly the second most valuable company in Canada. Oh, like, it, it didn't hold that. Cause I thought, I thought it had just happened this week. Right. Yeah. Like I, I think, I, I think that reversed itself. Um, I, I'd have to double check. That was like literally on, on Monday and it's, but yeah, it's basically um, the Royal Bank of Canada, Toronto Dominion Bank, and Shopify are right at the top of the heap in in terms of like publicly traded company values, and it is it is down to the pandemic, really. Well, okay, so then maybe let's let's do a little basic table setting here. Um, it, like, just give us real quick, like the sixty second. Like what Shopify does, maybe even like the founding story. Like I think it, it was literally guys that wanted to sell ski equipment or something like that, and they couldn't find an easy way to do it. 
Yeah, it was uh, the, the the sort of main founder, a guy named Toby Lutka, who is a German immigrant to Canada. Um, was he had a snowboard shop and wanted to sell snowboards online, and there was just no uh, no good e-commerce software. This would have been, I think, 2004, 2006, somewhere around there. Um, and so he he wrote some basic e-commerce software and basically turned that into a business. Uh, and so the company's been kind of slowly growing um, and has really, really taken off in the last few years um, where it has... Uh, like the core product is a sort of retail command center, uh, mostly for e-commerce. So, so you're paying a subscription fee for something that does order management, inventory management, um, checkout and payment. So like literally the software where if you're on a site and you put an item into a bag and then check out, that's what Shopify is giving you yeah see let me let me interrupt real quick because i think sure. i think listeners might know this in my, in my other life you know i've been running e-commerce businesses for 20 years and so i've always been vaguely aware of them because there's you know people don't know this but there's this whole industry of like there's things like woocommerce and uh, magento and, sh- and they're essentially you know a really blunt way of saying it is it's like shopping cart software and stuff like that yes um and but- so uh, and so right i was gonna say so i always thought oh Shopify is just another one of those, but then it's become so much way more than that. But the, the thing that I, I like to bring up when I'm trying to sort of explain this is like, were you aware that Shopify has an app store and like a thriving app store where they have sort of APIs for their e-commerce dashboard where you want someone to write a program that just deals with returns or deals with email campaigns or all sorts of little ancillary things. There's, there is an app store where merchants are paying, um, like monthly subscription pr- uh, prices, $5 here, $10 there for various other services that plug into them. So really the thing to understand about Shopify is it's about a million primarily e-commerce merchants that are using a tool set and, and sort of linking together different services to build a kind of cloud-based business. So it's sort of like it's sort of like a dashboard cloud thing, also a SaaS sort of thing. Um, but also the, the other thing that I thought about them for years is like maybe it was sort of like what Stripe does because that was the other thing that put them on my radar is they early on like in the maybe ten years ago they suddenly allowed you to accept credit card payments without. Uh, having a merchant account, and and again, this is in the weed stuff, but for that's a big deal for merchants. Um, so, are, tell me in what way they're different than say what Stripe does. So, so I believe Shopify actually integrates Stripe, and and if you're processing payments as a merchant, you can use them. But Shopify does have a competing does have a Shopify payments product mm-hmm. where they're just doing payment processing. I think actually the the sort of easiest way to understand a comparison is is square uh where like they started as the little dongle that you stick into an iphone to right. you know do pre- credit cards at farmers markets but they are now also kind of um small merchants point of sale payments 
and it enabling commerce. And, you know, they're kind of moving more into the e-commerce world and Shopify is moving more into the physical commerce world. That That's one of the things that's really interesting to me about this company. They've in the last year or two, they've made a big push into bricks and mortar retail uh, with the whole idea being this. Um, I, I don't love the term omni-channel, but that is the buzzword uh, where you've got a business and you may have one or more physical stores, you have an e-commerce presence, maybe you do events, and like it doesn't matter where you make the sale, whether it's in the store or online, it's all sort of same products flowing through the same business. And that is somewhere that Shopify and a couple competitors are like ideally placed to play where they have the e-commerce shops, but they can also sell to traditional retailers who may straddle the physical and digital world. Okay, so two more things that this plugs into in terms of my recent obsessions. Um, So there's also this idea of, and I think this is the piece that you you wrote this week, that this is also a fintech play in the sense that all of a sudden they're opening up this new line of business that is literally providing financing to merchants and, and things like that. Yeah, well, it, actually, they've they've been doing this for for a f- couple of years now. Um, they call it Shopify Capital, and kind of the the thing to understand about it is um, they hate it when you call them loans. They, uh, Shopify, just in their mindset, it is very very important that they are providing cash advances to the merchants on their platform. So the idea is. Um, like they have all of the data, they can see what your cash flow and, um, you know, how many sales you make and all of that. And they can analyze that and say, we can loan you $10,000 or, you know, $200 or half a million dollars, depending. And with, and, and they will basically just take that out of future sales. Um, and so, like there's no interest rate on it the like because it's just we're going to take a percentage of future sales mm-hmm. and um but because they've got all of the data to sort of make the underwriting decisions they can give these very low risk loans and to date they've given out um something around 800 million dollars worth of these cash advances and they will pass a billion dollars by the end of the year. One of the big things they announced in the the kind of pandemic response was making an extra $200 million available to merchants and expanding this program to Canada and the United Kingdom um, so that more of the, the shops on the platform have the liquidity to sort of manage through. So, you mentioned the the pandemic moment, the Corona moment, as I've been calling it. Um, I think your piece also said that. Um, well, I'd seen stories that they, in terms of the one side of it, like they apparently are doing like Black Friday level of sales traffic every day over the last month or so. Um, but then I think your your story also said that they're seeing like an upswing in merchants signing on over the last month. So they might be one of these companies that is really well positioned for, for the current moment. Yeah. I'm so I, I like, I've, I've got a lot of feelings about mm. that whole situation just because like on, on one hand, it absolutely makes sense that 
um, there's there are a lot of businesses that are trying to spin up an e-commerce operation overnight um, and just reaching for off-the-shelf software like Shopify makes makes perfect sense. And the other thing is sort of part of the founding mythology of the company is that they actually got a, a boost from the 2008 financial crisis. Um, because like, as the story goes, you had a whole bunch of people who were lost their jobs, were sitting at home and started turning their hobby, their, their side hustle into a source of income. And so a lot of people basically lost their jobs and embraced entrepreneurship and Shopify sees the, the tailwinds of that. On the other hand, in this pandemic moment, Shopify has extended its free trial from normally 30 days to 90 days. So it's entirely possible there's a lot of people who are at home who are just playing around with something for free. And this is a bit of a, a quibby sugar high kind of situation. <laughs> uh, but we, like, I, I'm very curious to sort of see, because at its current size, like in, in 2008, Shopify was a really small company. Now it's got more than a million merchants on the platform. If there's a big recession that's wiping out small businesses, mm. that could it could be really, really bad for this company. Interesting. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at cutsclothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. Cutsclothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off.
Um, well, and it's funny, we, we've gone, you know, almost 10, 15 minutes into this, and we haven't even gotten to the really interesting part of the narrative here, which is, like, a lot of people are are sort of pitching this as Shopify. It's a David and Goliath thing against Amazon, right? Mm. Um, I keep seeing the analogy that people love to use is like, and I think Shopify even uses it, like it's, they're the rebel alliance against Amazon's galactic empire because, correct, correct me if I'm getting this wrong here, but the idea is is that Shopify is going after these smaller merchants, but maybe also the direct-to-consumer merchants, and they're like, do your thing. You own the customer. We're not going to disintermediate you from your customer like Amazon does. Yeah, and so it's this this whole arming the rebels thing is is really really funny to me because um, like when I when I started covering Shopify really intensively about two years ago, um, I used to joke with people that Amazon was like Voldemort in Shopify world where, where it's like, it's big, it's scary. And we absolutely never say its name. Um, and the, the reason why they had this like complicated relationship with Amazon is because a lot of Shopify merchants sell through the Amazon marketplace. If you're running an e-commerce business and you need that kind of dashboard backend thing, but you're still doing a lot of your sales through Amazon and even fulfillment through Amazon, it, it like, as Shopify, you don't want to turn Amazon into the enemy. Um, so in- wait. So on one hand, on the one hand, they very much have gotten where they are by being like, we're we're arming all sides. We're we're just it's a gold rush. We're just selling the the picks and the shovels. We don't care where you sell. Just we just want to help you sell. Well, it's it's actually more the other way where like for for the longest time, it, you know, they were just happy sort of doing their own thing and just wanted kind of wanted to pretend Amazon didn't exist, but didn't want to antagonize them. Mm. But it became so obvious that there was this obvious competitive tension and the merchants themselves were using Amazon, but didn't love it. And so slowly over, over time, you sort of saw this arming the rebels idea enter and, and they've really embraced um, kind of a bit of a scrappy identity um, a, a thing to understand about Shopify is that it's not headquartered in Toronto or Vancouver um, or, or even Montreal. It's like headquartered in Ottawa, which is cold. It's like boring. It's out of the way. It's the capital city, but nobody goes there unless you work for the government. And Shopify really has this kind of sense of identity that we're like, we're not in the valley. We're we're out here doing our own thing. And there is kind of this scrappy, um, you know, rebel alliance ethos to it um and you really are seeing that kind of coming to its own right now but if i'm a merchant um is it cheaper to sell on shopify or do they just have better tools or or is the appeal has it just been that they're not amazon um i i think it is kind of a combination of um they they have better tools. I, I I actually haven't ever sort of sat down and done a, a cost comparison because it does get pretty complicated in terms of different subscription tiers, and then whether you're using their payment software, whether you're using like they've got a fulfillment network in the United States, so whether you're using that or fulfilled by Amazon, um, the, the pricing does get pretty complicated. But like a big, the, the big sell around Shopify is 
we're only working for you. We're not mining your data. We're not going to do the Amazon thing where we, we copy your product and undercut you. We are, we are just selling a tool and a subscription service for you to be a merchant. We're on your side. Uh, and when, like, like they, they are tapping into something where, like, their market is entrepreneurs and that sort of, like, master of my own destiny, being able to be independent, not be under the thumb of Amazon or whoever, is kind of a powerful selling point. Well, right. Amazon or Walmart or whoever. Again, that comes back to the idea that Shopify can empower direct-to-consumer. And uh, as a merchant, you can own your relationship with the customer better, maybe. Um, Go ahead. Well, and and like the the thing to think about here is it it is easy. And I'm I'm as guilty as anyone of falling into that Shopify versus Amazon, um, David and Goliath dynamic. But... Uh, the, the analysts always remind me that like e-commerce is you know sort of twenty-ish percent of of retail, and we're, we're expecting that to change because of the pandemic. There's a lot of companies that are adopting some sort of e-commerce that are going to keep doing that after this is all over. But like there is like another eighty percent of the pie that e-commerce is going to be eating more and more and more of. So like how that shapes how that like larger secular shift develops is going to be a lot more important as to the future market dynamics as opposed to just how Shopify and Amazon look when they're scrapping over the 20% of the market. You know what I mean? So maybe the analogy is not, okay, David and Goliath or even Shopify as a strong competitor to Amazon. Maybe it's just that, again... As bizarre as it may be to realize that the this overall market is still so young, there's still eighty percent to go. So they're if if they're just another strong player, then there's still so much that they can grab in that market. Exactly, and and that is I mean sort of circling back to the stock price uh, where, where we kind of started. That the trouble with valuing this company is it doesn't make money. Like it it is. It doesn't really lose money, but it's basically a break-even proposition right now. But they are well-positioned with a brand and a good tool and a million um, merchant customers in this enormous potential future market that is, you know, global and just worth trillions of dollars. Like, there's, there is a lot here, um, and the reason the stock is, like, at such crazy high numbers is because how do you put a value on that opportunity? Or maybe they're getting the same sort of halo that Amazon got all those years, which is like, well, we don't care that you're not making money yet. Just like, so are they, they're not, they're not profitable necessarily, but are they throwing off enough cash that they can do that sort of reinvest for years and years and years that Amazon did? Yes. Yeah, no, they absolutely are. Um, they're, um, basically it's it's in one of those situations where uh the the last time the stock was pretty high they they sort of sold a bunch of shares and raised a bunch of money um they're not they're not hurting and it is the sort of thing where they can shift to profitability at any point they want but why in in exactly the same way as Amazon it's like why would we try to be profitable when we can build a bigger more robust business so Shopify is building 
uh, fulfillment network of warehouses and shipping and um, all of that stuff so that they can do two-day shipping in the United States. They're doing a big international expansion, um, trying to basically make the service available everywhere in the world, push into physical retail. It's, it is the same thing as Amazon, where it's just like, instead of throwing off money, just keep building out. Well, then the multi-billion dollar, maybe trillion dollar question is, um, why can't or won't Amazon just uh, turn the eye of Sauron to them and, and crush what Shopify is doing? Um. There's, there is a, a very funny, uh, you were actually the one who tipped me onto this. Um, this was months and months ago. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Toby Luca, the, the chief executive, is, is like a, um, a, a StarCraft fiend. Right, 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 right. He, he, he used to stream for a while um, just on Twitch. Like, he's the only CEO I know who just streams himself playing video games. Uh, and... Uh, th there is this analysis that he kind of validated. He tweeted that it was like a frighteningly accurate assessment of him as like a Zerg strategist where you've got this horde and, and you're, you basically try to be nimble and respond to threats while growing the size of your, uh, of your base. And like, as long as Shopify can keep adding merchants every year, um, they went from like 800,000 a year ago to more than a million. Now, if they can just keep growing and growing and growing that base of, of merchants, then Amazon is, is a company that is kind of one merchant. Well, I mean, they've got the whole platform and everything else, but like Amazon is playing for Amazon. They are knocking off other companies, products and like doing things to alienate potential partners. Shopify is just growing their customer base. And um, I, I don't like, I, I don't fully know, like Amazon could probably crush Shopify if they wanted to, but there is the argument out there that Shopify is more useful to Amazon mm -hmm. intact because it's like a nice antitrust foil. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It, it, do do you have a sense of, um, because I haven't seen any reporting on this. Like, um, do we have any sense of what Amazon thinks of Shopify right now? Like, are they threatened? Have they been making any sort of moves that are like, oh, well, Amazon clearly just started this initiative because that's a response to to Shopify or anything like that? Not really. I uh, like uh, honestly, like it. It is kind of a bit of a one way thing where I like. There's a lot of people who sort of talk about how Shopify is strategizing around Amazon. I can't actually recall. It is, it is an interesting question now that I think about it. I like, I can't recall Amazon ever doing something that like overtly felt like right. it was aware of Shopify, uh, which I guess is just like the mark of ultimate success in business. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like one of those, you know, it's not, the analogy would be, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram immediately copying, st copying stories and then copying this feature and copying that feature. We haven't seen any sort of response from Amazon like that yet. No, no. Or, or, um, and, or I guess yeah. another one would be like cutting fees to the bone. Cause that's the traditional Amazon play where it's like, all right, fine. Well, or, or any, you know, big, uh, oligarchs play is like, all right, we don't need to make money on this little thing that is your lifeblood or something like that. 
it is it it, it does it like it is hard in the sense that like amazon.com the, the the store of the marketplace is of course a big part of amazon's business but like when you start folding in aws and audible and twitch and prime video and everything else you sort of like how how big of an existential threat does jeff bezos think shopify is like is it is it worth going all out on them or, or going to the I, mattresses as they would say in, in, in the godfather yeah it, it's a, it's a bit like you know is Sundar Pichai really worried about or not, not Sundar Pichai Satya Nadella is Satya Nadella really worried about the next PlayStation? Yes, they make an Xbox that is a competitor to it, but like that's one part of the business. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, Amazon that, is so big. That's that's a perfect analogy, actually. Um, With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features Features, help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Let me, before I let you go, um, as we were saying, like uh, Shopify is was maybe briefly the number two most valuable company in Canada. Um, it's It's been a while since the heyday of Nortel and even BlackBerry at this point. So I'm just curious about um what shopify uh represents uh to the canadian tech scene the startup scene or or like um you know just generally what you're all thinking of spot shopify's uh success right now up there well i mean it it definitely does sort of feel like there can only ever be one really successful canadian tech company <laughs> uh well, and, no, actually, and, let me interrupt because what wasn't there Wave too? Like Wave was another. Maybe that was more accounting or something. But it seems like maybe this is a space that like uh, is there's something happening up there. Well, th- no, there there are interesting things. It, it, I I definitely don't ever advise anyone investing in the stock market under any circumstances. But if, if anybody who's buzzing about Shopify and takes a look at their stock price should ne- next look at two companies called Lightspeed POS and Touch Bistro, which are also Canadian companies doing cloud-based, like point-of-sale payments processing software. And there is a weird cluster up here of fintech things and and exactly the kinds of business that Shopify tends to play in. Right now in, in Canada, they are definitely the standard bearer. They, they are kind of the... The, the government loves them. They are the sort of charming success story. Um, 
but like it in the same way as sort of Nortel and Black, especially Blackberry, there is this thing of like they have won Canada, but like now they've just got to complete compete on the global stage and you know, then you're going up against the likes of Amazon and Salesforce and whoever. Um, and so, yeah, you, you hope they're, they're successful. And um, yeah, I just try to understand the business. Yeah. I, I, I guess, you know, they could be a takeover target at some point, except for the fact that if you're at $70 billion market cap, that would be hard for a lot of people to take you out now. And Amazon couldn't do it uh, for, for antitrust reasons. Um, so maybe they're like weirdly threading the needle perfectly at this point. It it does sort of feel like, and I, I was actually, um, watching a, a live stream of, of Toby playing Starcraft, um, where it was, it was literally me and like 35 people on Twitch, just watching this guy play, um, play strategy games. But he was talking at quite some length about this and just sort of saying that like his, his line was startup time is over. Like it, he basically said Shopify could not have been born at another time. It was like the shift to mobile, the shift to cloud, um, and, and just like a bunch of macro technology trends. They were founded at the right time and they are now big enough that like they can probably survive on their own. But yeah, that was, they, they are one of a whole bunch of companies from sort of a specific time in in our economic and technology development. And it looks like they've gotten big enough that nobody can just knock them off like an Instagram or a WhatsApp. But um, yeah, how how the market sort of consolidates and develop, develops in e-commerce, well, you know, who knows with everything going on. 